0: Welcome to Lessons for Leaders. This week, I'm really excited to bring you a wonderful person. Paul McGregor joins me on the podcast this week, and Paul talks about the key reasons he does his work in the mental health space. We talk about the sliding scale of mental health, the biggest mistakes that he sees in organisations so that you get some insider tips on what to look at first. We talk about the big thing that can help you to tackle the mental health stigma. And finally, Paul leaves you with the one thing that he says we really need to think about. And actually, it's one that I wholeheartedly agree with. So tune in, listen right to the end. There's a ton of gold in this episode. Welcome to the Lessons for Leaders podcast. Each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without the stress, doubt and overwhelms that I help you to increase your performance, to be resilient and thrive in life. I'm Emma Langton, your host, leadership coach and wellbeing trainer, helping you and your workforce increase performance and make the impact that you want in the world. Now, I've had a few emails and calls recently from people who are finding things really difficult and know that those difficulties are affecting their performance and affecting them individually. People are getting in touch for their own help because they're feeling burnt out, stressed, overwhelmed and finding that their work and lives are unsustainable. I've also got people talking about wanting to leave their professions especially a lot of HR people, but not exclusively, because it's all feeling too much. So Neve, a HR manager, said, I was in a difficult position job-wise and mentally, and Emma was a welcome listener who provided sound support and advice and helped me to reframe my issues and how to approach them. I'm now in a much better place and have secured a fantastic new role because my confidence grew too. Emma's support was so helpful and appreciated during this time, I would seek Emma's support again. If that sounds a bit similar to you, then please do get in touch with me, emma at emmalankton.com or go over to my website where you can book straight into my diary to have a call and see how I can help you. Now, excitingly, this month I'm almost fully booked for January to deliver workshops that are happening online and in person if you're quick you can talk to me about what i can do to help your organization or individuals in your workplace so that they have proven tools and techniques to improve performance create healthy work-life boundaries boost resilience and so much more they're still placed in february too but bookings are coming in all the way through to april which quite frankly after the pandemic Um, is amazing for me. So thank you to those who trust me to support you in this. Do get in touch if you think I can help you in any way. Now, finally, I know you're probably sick of hearing me ask this, but please do hit the subscribe button and leave a review too. It helps enormously for the podcast host places to know what you like and importantly, to share with other people that might be interested. So welcome to Lessons for Leaders. Today I'm joined on the podcast by Paul McGregor, who is a mental health speaker and the founder of Every Mind at Work. Paul provides speaker sessions, presentations and workshops around mental health. So Paul, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, I appreciate it.
0: It's so good to have you here. As a quick intro to the listeners would you like to tell them um a little bit more about what you do and what got you into this in the first place
1: yeah of course no worries so um current day job as you said is um running every mind at work we we launched about two years ago and we're now a small team of about 12 13 of us and we partner with organizations to help them with mental health so from the likes of helping them with well-being and mental health strategies to delivering talks and presentations to training and workshops. And and one of our key products that we first launched with was, was an app. So really our partnership is just trying to um, provide more support to HR when it comes to mental health. And, and our mission really is to help employees feel safe to talk about their mental health, because one of the biggest challenges that we're up against is the stigma still, you know, stigma of, of mental health, specifically when you then enter into the workplace and that stigma is kind of amplified um and yeah aside from that um you know I've been doing talks and delivering workshops on mental health for the last six years as you've highlighted it's a, a real personal passion of mine if you want to call it that which is all led by personal experience which I'm sure we'll sort of jump into but um yeah I, I enjoy it let's just let's just say that I, I enjoy the work that I do however strange that might sound at this stage
0: totally get you completely it's funny isn't it it's always easier to do work when you're really really passionate about it isn't it and then when but when there's a bit of a personal drive there i'm actually really rubbish at um sharing bits of my story about how i um really got into all of this um but i think you do it really well and um managed to almost use it as a really really good springboard i suppose and particularly around the stigma and around men in particular so do you want to just share a little bit more about that
1: yeah for sure yeah like you say it's you know it's a personal experience that I share on all of my talks and there's a a certain person that drives every mind you know what I say to 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 some of the team sometimes and and I've, I've shared it a couple of times is there's a an employee that that no one essentially knows about. I'm someone who who drives the organisation, and, and that that person's my dad. Um, you know, one of the key reasons why I do this work in the mental health space, and and I share my personal experience and that passion. Um, that I have, it comes from, you know, my dad. Sadly, he was someone who we never really knew. Um, was struggling with mental illness until the day that it became almost in a crisis place for him, and um, you know, he was someone who was did very well at work as an engineer was qualified physiotherapist psychology degree read self-help books run every day meditated you know a sort of individual that you never would have imagined would be dealing with any struggles of their mental health um until the day that as you, as i say his behaviors changed he was telling us that he was struggling and and I, I explained that moment as like a breakdown because it happened so quick um and he was diagnosed with clinical depression, um within you know we got him a doctor's appointment straight after he was quite open about struggling and my dad battled that for about 6 months um we spent four and a half months in a mental health unit we had suicide attempts and it was a very sort of hard 6 month period because no one really knew what to do or what to say or any of that um and sadly you know my dad's journey ended there um he sadly took his own life um on the 4th of March 2009 he was 45 i was 18 And I just didn't deal with it very well. You know, it's, it's, I'm sure we'll talk about it later when you're talking about men's mental health, but the way that I dealt with the emotion from my dad was the same way my dad dealt with the emotions that he had. And it was that bottle it up, went to a nightclub six days after Um, went straight back to work just very much don't talk about it. And, you know, three or four years later, I found myself in pretty, pretty bad place, you know, depression, anxiety desperate for help um but yeah fortunately and I I am very fortunate I had help through therapy and I met an amazing therapist called Anne and you know I was 10 years later now and I'm very very grateful for that because I think my life would be massively different if I didn't have that
0: it's powerful isn't it I think and you know we're 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 touching on on the stigma and everything as well. You know, and I always say to people lots about, you know, we still have the don't talk about the war. And and, and obviously, and I grew up with a dad that definitely didn't talk about the war, even though he was in a Japanese prisoner of war mm-hmm. camp, he definitely didn't talk about it. Um, but as you could see the effects, you could see it in behavior. You could see it in the way that he kind of packaged things around his life and stuff like that. Um, and then adopting kids, I began to see similar things and stuff made perfect sense to me. Um, and I'm not sure really, if that's because of the, that kind of upbringing, but he never, um, my dad never sort of got therapy. It wasn't, it wasn't the John thing really at that point in time. And then it became that, oh, it's this very Americanized thing, um, you know, that you do. But actually we've been through about six different chunks of therapy for the kids um you know since in the past 15 years that they've been with us because of their early life experiences and I originally trained as a therapist and it's it's really really powerful isn't it in in helping and, and and supporting you to be able to accept things and see things differently and and be able to just make that difference yeah
1: yeah I think you know the way I explain Anne to people is in my talks actually I say she was one person like one person that I felt comfortable to talk yeah. It wasn't straight away either. It was about the third or fourth session. You know, I felt comfortable to talk to her about my dad. And I think I said my dad took his own life and I don't know how to deal with it. And I cried my eyes out and cried my eyes out and cried my eyes out a little bit more. And and um, one thing I really try and get across now in my talks is I'm very open about it now. But it took me, I, I guess, four years after telling Anne to tell my best friend that I was even going to therapy. So like you've just said there, it's like. You know, people almost see me as I went to Anne, spoke to Anne, stood on a stage, told my story to the world. It's like it took me four years to pull my best mate aside and tell him. And, you know, it took me a good eight years after Anne to start vocalizing it more publicly and being comfortable to do that. So as you said, you know, stigma, shame, lots of other reasons, upbringing, caused me to even after that moment still feel like Anne was the only person that I could talk to. But as I kept going back and kept going back and kept going back, I started to understand maybe I can tell my best friend and someone else and someone else. And, and then it just carries on from there. So, um, yeah, we're, 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 strange creatures, us, us men in particular, but mental health is, is a, a very difficult thing for, I think guys in particular to talk about.
0: Definitely. It, yeah, it definitely is. So I, um, as well as the work that I do with organizations, there's, um, you know, I do like one-to-one sort of, um, coaching therapy, a lot around the stress and anxiety aspect, And a lot of it is leaders. And and I can remember there's something about even though I knew there was this stigma and I'd like seen it with my dad and and I'd seen it with other people in in corporate. This chap came to see me and he was a CEO of a national organization. He had no problem standing on a stage talking to people, literally being helicoptered into um, different venues of the organization and just you know, walking in, no prep, no knowledge, seeing everything that was there, but he had crippling anxiety that used to really hit him every morning. And when I said to him, have you ever told anybody at work? And he said, good God, no, I don't want to be seen as weak. Um, And then I've had other guys that have come to me, you know, that have rung up with sick days with, you know, I've got a stomach upset and I've got this and that um, of the problems that they have that are associated with anxiety or or depression or other mental health issues. Um, But they can also be, you know, mixed up with things like bugs and illnesses. And there's been some people that have managed to then tell their organisation, actually, I want really, um, you know, I didn't really have an upset stomach. I didn't really have a stomach bug. Um, I've I've got anxiety. And they've been really surprised at just how much support there has been there. But it's their way that everybody's always surprised as well.
1: Mm, it's making mental health human, right? Yeah. It's, um, you know, in, in my talk, I say I grew up believing that I didn't even have mental health because for me, mental health was mental illness; they were the same thing. And then, secondly, sounds brutal, but I always say this: mental illness was straight jackets padded cells, and personalities that don't look like me, right? So that's what I grew up believing. So, in other words, I never expect mental illness to impact me until the day that it did. And and in other words. I wasn't aware of it. Right. So I became aware of it because of my dad. But then even as I started to then share to senior leaders or builders, operatives, whatever it is, I'd, be, I'd walk into the room and I'd be like, well, these guys aren't going to get it. They're not going to get it because they're builders or they're senior leaders. Right. But I would leave the room completely shocked that "Oh, they do get it. And then I started to think, well, actually, of course they get it because we're all human, right? We've all got challenges and experiences, but people need to see mental health in, in the human way rather than the potential sometimes scientific way or the way they see it on the TV and the newspapers and how we've been brought up. So as you said, it's as I share more and more now, I'm always, always going into every session thinking to myself, well, if I can encourage a few of them to share I know that them then people that will share will encourage more and encourage more and encourage more. And it's yeah, you know, and equally now, as I've been doing this for a longer time, you get someone message you maybe two years after and say, hey, the talk you delivered in our company made me go and get help. And now I'm talking about it. And it's it's staggering to see. But like you say, we need to just remember it's human. Everyone has mental health at the end of the day.
0: Absolutely, you know, and I always talk to people about it being, you know, it can be on little a bit of a sliding scale, and things can it as well. Um, but just that creating that domino effect with different people talking and it impacting them, and then impacting somebody else, and then impacting somebody else.
1: Sliding scale is really important. I talk about it a lot as well because there's with mental health, there's this misconception that you can go to six therapy sessions and be cured, right? And and the way that I say to people about that is can you go to the gym six times and be a competitive bodybuilder, right? Like, and no, everyone knows that that's not possible, right? Unless maybe you're doing something illegal. Now with, with mental health, there's this, this, almost this short term quick mindset that we take with it. And, and even when people hear maybe me talk quite openly about my dad now, they're like, Oh, he's, he's cured. Like he's good. But the reality is, is like, it's that sliding scale. Some days are bad, some days are good. And some hours are bad and some hours are good. It's it's constantly up and down. And, you know, I still, I still go to therapy because in the same way that I have a personal trainer for my physical health, I feel like I need a therapist for my mental health. So I think that sliding scale is a really good way of looking at it as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It definitely is, isn't it? What would you say are some of the common mistakes that businesses make then when we're thinking about mental health
1: there's lots right you know that (laughs) um (laughs) I think the biggest mistake that I started to see and one thing that we're really going against is the reactive approach so one of my biggest challenges that I had as I started to and I started to do talks naturally in organizations just because maybe they'd see something on social media or hear about something that I'd shared and then I started getting invited into corporates. I never really intended to just go into corporates. And um, I kept seeing this very reactive approach. So, organizations like waiting until, you know, they reach out to me in the February and say, hey, can you come in in May? And like, I can, but I can come in next week if you want me to come in next week. Oh, no, 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 May's mental health awareness, but we want you to come in then. And it's, um, you know, it was almost like I saw organizations just reacting to the calendar or reacting to a crisis. So one of the biggest challenges I think businesses have is they say our employees are fine because no one's in crisis, right? And, um, and we need to start to realize that the ones that we know about may be signed off or are absent or they've been very open and honest about their mental health. Normally those people are in a situation where they've felt like they've had to, right? Or, or they've got to that point where they felt like they've had to tell their organization. And it's reminding people that there's depending on the size of your organization, tens, hundreds, thousands of others that are very close to that stage? And, and how do we provide support to them to stop them from getting there? So I think businesses are starting to be more proactive. Um, equally, a lot of businesses make the mistake of seeing mental health and well-being as this simple thing that, oh, we just need to do free emails a year and a couple of talks. It's you know, it's complex, it's hard, it's individual. You need to really embed it into a strategy and embed it into your culture and everything else. Um, so that's another mistake. But but also there's plenty of mistakes, but this is, I think the main one, and we've spoken about it already, is not addressing stigma first. So there's so many organizations, I won't name names, but you know I've done talks at lots of big organizations and you see what they've got on offer for their employees. It's like amazing, right? They're, they're putting a lot of money into it this tool, this app, this training, this stuff, this benefit, this manager training. But the reality of it is, if I don't feel comfortable talking to you or accessing that support, it's just a waste of money, right? So the great example of that is companies that say, we spent however much money training all of our managers in mental health. And my sometimes challenge back to them is, okay, that's great. But if Emma's my manager, she's done a two-day training course on mental health, that doesn't change our relationship. Doesn't, doesn't change a thing. I, I, as an employee, still don't feel comfortable to talk about it because of the, the shame, the stigma, the silence and all of that. So what we start to see is organizations, especially the smaller ones, that they challenge that stigma a lot easier. Challenging stigma first, creating that open culture, all of the interventions that you then implement are more accessed, they're better interventions. Um, so yeah, I think that is the key one. Like, Let's look at stigma let's look at making employees feel safe to talk first. And then we look at like the interventions that we apply.
0: It's so important, isn't it? So important. There's a lot around now about them, psychological safety as well in the workplace, isn't there? Which is sort of, Mm. if if there's, if there's anything that we can be thankful for with COVID, it is about raising the awareness of mental health. And then, you know, looking about that safety and, and, and organizations are doing more to be fair, there was an awful lot of reactive stuff last year, an awful lot, and even some part of this year. But it is good to see that organisations are beginning to be a bit more proactive and planning and looking at it. But like you say, if they miss the beginning bit, you can do all of the different stuff in the world and still um, you know, still kind of not hit the mark with it all.
1: Yeah. A good, a good question to ask yourself is why versus what? So yep. what I say is like lots of organizations have always focused on the what. So I used to speak to HR and I'd say, um, what do you have in the business for your employees' mental health? And they'd reel off like, oh, we have this, we have that, we have this, we have that. And then you say, okay, why? And that's when they'd like stutter or fall short. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. And, and it's like, start if you start with why, why are we doing this? Then it becomes more about culture and stigma and everything else. And then the what just naturally fits in. So, you know, that's what we have become, you know, and I'll be honest with you, you know, we launched as an app. And during the beginning of lockdown, we was in high demand because everyone wanted an app because an app's in their pocket and they're at home and they can get that Mm -hmm. mental health support. But what then naturally started to happen is it didn't sit well with me because I was like, we're becoming a tick box for a lot of organizations. So the flip to more of a partner is now every partner that we have It's how can we tailor what we do to you guys and start with why and then figure out the what, like if the why is, oh, we desperately need an app and we need this, then we'll do that. But if the why is, um, you know, we want consistent sort of sessions throughout the year and we want, you know, a strategy developed, you know, then we'll start with that. So I think, yeah, it's a big question that I think HR and businesses need to start asking themselves is why versus what, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, completely. It does to me very much so, and the other bit that really—it's um, not funny—but I'm just going to say it makes me laugh it, it, in a not funny way—is when people go, "What can we do? What what ideas can we come up with for this? And what ideas can we come up with for that?" And I'm like, "But what do you need? Yeah, what you you know again with the why? You know, what are you doing it for? And what do you need? Because you're not going to get people to turn up to any uh, you know sort of events and things like that that you put on." if it's not meeting their need mm-hmm. and then if you tell them that they must go well you're going to have a lot of people out there all cross-armed and grumpy but you know right. because they're like well, what's the point of this um so it's got to meet the need hasn't it of everybody that's there definitely
1: um but yeah it's, it's and again when when you talk about that people then feel like there's a lot more work and there's a lot more overwhelm, but, but it, but it's not because, you know, then it's, it's, it's human at the end of the day. So uh, you can get people to relate in different ways as well.
0: Definitely. You know, without getting too technical, without making sure that people are, are kind of switching off to things because it's, you know, just, not really making sense or you know people are just doing all gobbledygook somebody said to me um the other week that they'd been um talking to their kind of top team about uh, one of my resilience um session uh, workshops for for their organization and then she said to me I did say you've got this straightforward Yorkshire approach <laughs> and I was like yeah that's all you're going to get from me yeah, I talk about stuff that happens rather than getting really really super technical but then they often I find that that's what they want and and if people want more than that they're not that I'm not the person that's going to provide that for them but it's about being you know really you know really down to earth and personable and and, and, and relatable as well isn't it i'm often saying to people in organizations that it's a really good idea to get other people and even senior leaders to share little bits of their story and times when they've struggled not in a complete doom and gloom way but have you found that that's a bit of a struggle as well
1: people might relate to you um because it's real in comparison to You know, maybe someone who comes in with like a really scientific kind of approach and and people can't relate to that. And I get that a lot. You know, I'm probably going to stop getting it soon because I'm getting older. But when they go someone young and, you know, someone who can share how he feels as a man, I'm like, well, you know, I'm early 30s now. I don't think I'm going to carry on with that compliment. But like, again, the same thing. It's like, oh, oh, people might be able to relate to you because, you know guy from Essex who talks openly about his feelings you know that doesn't happen all the time um and I think that then naturally falls into senior leaders as well right you know if, yeah. if you can encourage that vulnerability from them they see it and other people see it and potentially they can relate to it you know I'm, I'm the first one to admit that I've facilitated panels in organizations before where I share my story And then I facilitate a panel of employees sharing theirs. So maybe it's like three or four employees that have come forward and said, happy to share my experience of mental health. And I've then facilitated it. And I start and then I get them guys to share and ask some questions. I'm the first person to put my hand up and go, those guys absolutely destroy me, right? Because they're colleagues. They're not just an outside mental health speaker who, who comes in and shares all the time. This is, me alongside joe james sarah whoever it is who you had lunch with like you know a couple of weeks ago or you spoke to at your christmas party and and now you're seeing this real human mental health side to them you know that is so so powerful and you know as you probably know it's seeing a senior leader do the same thing it it creates that trust straight away um vulnerability is a massive topic i talk about it a lot but you know, vulnerability creates authenticity, it creates confidence, and more importantly, it creates trust. You know, whenever I deliver a session to um, like operatives, you know, mm-hmm. we deliver resilience mental health training to like builders and operatives, and and I've got 12 of them and they're staring at me and I'm like, okay, I need to create some trust. And the best way to create that trust is for me to share, be vulnerable. and And then all of a sudden, they start sharing one person shares another person shares and and you start to create that vulnerability. And I think the more we can encourage that, the better. And one thing that we're seeing across the board, which really reinforces that as well is peer to peer support. You know, we have the champions, like, you know, if you want to tackle stigma, Get employees sharing. Get employees driving it because when they're passionate and they're talking about it and people can relate to them, it creates that that open conversation. Um, because of that trust element with vulnerability, and and less is more. You know, it's three powerful stories out of a thousand employees can have a massive impact on on stigma. Um, it's 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 not about getting loads of people to do it, but with that, I think to encourage them, one of the things that I always say with vulnerability is making sure that senior leaders or whoever it is knows that they are in control of their vulnerability so as yeah. you've just said it isn't about if I'm a senior leader and I and you know I've got a team it's not about me bearing all and, and crying like if, if I want to bear all and cry I will but the reality of it is I'm not gonna right <laughs> because I struggled to cry in front of my wife so I'm not gonna like do that in front <laughs> of everyone um it's the way I'm conditioned right it's the way I'm programmed but a lot of people refrain from being vulnerable because they see that as the norm. I've got to tell everyone all of my problems. Whereas actually being vulnerable as a senior leader is, can you be 1% more human today? Like, can you just share something that you feel comfortable to share that gets people going, okay, maybe they are human. Maybe, maybe they have got feelings, maybe they have got emotions. And, you know, it's, I was speaking about it actually before this, it's, I'm vulnerable in the talks that I deliver. But I also now highlight that I'm in control of that vulnerability. In other words, I'm comfortable to share what I share to those complete strangers. There is so much more of me that I don't like sharing to complete strangers. You know, I'm still someone who isn't completely bare all. I'm going to share everything. It's about knowing that you're in control, sharing what you want to share, share it in a way that you feel comfortable, but equally know that, as you've said, that vulnerability will 100% encourage conversations. I've seen it happen time and time again I'd be very surprised if it doesn't
0: absolutely I think you get people on the other on the other side of that that kind of sit there and go oh it's not just me then it's not Mm. just me that feels like that then they don't feel so alone and then again that has that that brilliant knock-on effect doesn't it yeah yeah if you could leave the listeners with one lesson one key thing that people should hear what do you think that would be
1: oh it's a big one I'm gonna say this because I've literally just said it to someone else, um, and it's just fresh in my mind. But there could there could be a million a million things. Um, but shame is a conversation that we need to have more of because I, for a long time in my talks, and I still do it because it's really important, talk about the proactive approach. You know the the non-negotiables, the habits that make you feel good, right? So the habits that make me feel good this morning, I got up, I went to the gym. After the gym, I go to the coffee shop, I do some journaling, you know, all of that stuff makes me stay on top of my mental health. It's really, really important, right? But there's this almost forgetfulness of how much shame can overpower that stuff. So what I mean by that is, you know, my dad, as I explained to you, meditated, read self help books, run every single day, all of that stuff. He had all of that proactive mental health stuff down you know the, the yoga all of that stuff but what I believe was too powerful for my dad in the end was the shame that he carried for those years and years and years of I can't talk about this yeah. people are going to judge me everything else and and I think you know organizations can relate to that individuals can relate to that people say oh aren't we a bit bored of the mental health conversation now you know we've been having it for a long time but you're going up against years and generations of programming and conditioning that we shouldn't talk about this stuff so I think that is something that I'm really focused on at the moment is until we can tackle that um it's it yeah a lot of that stuff basically I see it as it becomes plasters for like a bigger wound that people are kind of carrying
0: yeah Absolutely. Shame's another level entirely, isn't it? I, I am often covering that in some of the, the, the coaching sessions and even even some of the workshops and things that I do. But it just, without the therapeutic background, I possibly wouldn't be able to explain it quite as well. But um, it just takes people to another level. It, create, it it means that we do want to hide, it, you know, and it's a big difference between, there's a big difference in there, I think, between shame and embarrassment um, that a lot of people don't really understand. But, the, you know, the shame is that I, I, I want to hide. It's, it's about them as a person, really. And the embarrassment is much more about, oh, I did that thing and, and I, don't, I don't really want to do it again. But the, the shame is very much about them as a person wanting to hide. It's huge, huge.
1: It's something that I'm dealing with now and I'm, I'm literally challenging myself because what I've started to realise is that as a speaker... I share my story of my dad probably on average three times a day now, like three times a day. So, talks, talks, talks galore. Two today, um, three tomorrow, and it's that's that's pretty much my day. I love it, right? I love it, you know, because again, it's like if I've got, I had eighty people this morning. If I've got one hundred and fifty this afternoon, then you know, how many people am I reaching? If I can encourage five of them to be vulnerable, it's that domino effect as we've looked at. But I'm starting to really question myself of people feel like i'm being vulnerable on those sessions but i'm in a way i'm i'm like but that's not vulnerability for me anymore because i can tell that stuff and it's there's so much underlying still shame that i'm carrying and i'm avoiding because we, we naturally avoid those difficult emotions right and those difficult feelings so yeah. um it's a oh it's a massive topic and i think it would take a long time for workplaces to go there because i think we're still on the the surface level stuff when it comes to mental health but yeah I'm, I'm glad that you do a lot of that work in your coaching as well
0: yeah absolutely absolutely it is um yeah it's hard stuff I can, you can't do it all the time but you know <laughs> when it sits there the bits of trauma sit there and the and the bits of shame sit there you know and um we start to look at those stuff it is it's quite powerful actually it's quite powerful so yeah, yeah. But yeah,
1: no, I think that's, that's the key one. And, and again, you can relate that back to workplace mental health because it's how do we make, as you say, employees feel safe, employees yeah. not feel embarrassed, employees not feel judged. Um, you know, a shocking statistic that we we found because we poll um, employees when we do like the key session that I deliver and, and we've, we've run that session to, I don't know, in the last year, over a hundred organizations, over 10,000 people. And one of the questions is, who would you speak to about mental health in your workplace? HR, colleagues, line manager, all of that stuff. And then we have no one at work. Um, I think it's 49% of people that we've asked that question to said no one. So almost half of those individuals said they wouldn't speak to anyone at work. Now, hopefully that doesn't mean that they haven't got an outlet outside of work. But then when you question, you spend a third of your lives on average at work and people don't feel like they can talk to anyone, that's a very lonely place to be. So I think that shame piece, it comes back to, as we've said, one of the biggest mistakes is people don't tackle stigma and that's where you need to start.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I could talk to you all day yeah, and probably longer, just waxing lyrical. Who would believe that? Essentially, we we we're kind of ish, sort of competitors in the sort of same industry, but you know we're not. It's all just about spreading the. Yeah, it's sure. all just about spreading the message and 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 making that difference, isn't it? If people want to find you, where can they do that?
1: Um, you can search for Paul McGregor on socials or um for every mind go to everymindatwork.com um but yeah 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 socials i I post a lot as you as you know (laughs) on socials and then um obviously if you want to find out more about every mind just go to everymindatwork.com
0: that's fantastic i will put all of those links in the show notes i just want to give you a final thank you for joining me today i really appreciate you well just helping me spread the message really i really appreciate it paul um so thank you
1: no worries thank you for having me i appreciate it and um good luck in everything that you do as well
0: thanks very much so listeners if you have enjoyed this episode please do talk about it as we've been mentioning share it on social media do tag us if you do that so that we know what your key takeaways are and then i'll see you again in the next episode